0: Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Broadcast. My name is Mike. coming meet you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada on this gorgeous Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. Coming right up, it is the book of John chapter 17. Don't you dare miss it. There's a lot said in John chapter 17 that concerns you in the here and now, but please first consider your part in the many-member body of Christ. You are invited to partner with the Companion Chapel to help me reach out to a hurting world with the message of Christ's love that jumps off the pages of John like no other book in the Bible. There's no doubt about it. Now, the Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit. Nonprofit by law means, all provisions that you provide are to be utilized for God's purposes to help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. Helping out with the electricity and helping out with the internet bill, Elon Musk jams me $158 a month. We live out in the country here for internet, and that's all that um, we can get so that we can help broadcast God's word. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. Go to companionchapel.com or email me at companionchapel at gmail.com Now, I have a special request for people. I've been doing this for a long time. This is episode number 468, I believe, and I want to hear from you. I want the emails from Nambia Africa I can see the metrics where the podcast is going all through United States Ireland Germany send me an email just to say hi or with a prayer request or a question and I'll do a broadcast just for you Uh, I've done it before for people who have sent emails and ask me questions now I don't mention names I just do it from the Bible Let open the book and let it speak for itself United States all through Florida all up the eastern seaboard I'm noticing people in California all in Seattle Washington and across Canada send me an email companionchapel at gmail.com just to say hi or prayer requests or questions now please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 17 And I'm going to start one verse back because this is important these things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace okay is it going to be a peaceful time now obviously not it's sufferings before the glory as it's written John said I took the little book Biblion the Bible and I I took it in. It was sweet in my mouth, but bitter in my stomach because we mourn for those walking in darkness and what rich white man's construct has done to planet Earth. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. I don't need to read that twice for all the people that call themselves pre-trib or mid-trib and put this big rapture theory, which is not in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible that even holds that rapture theory. You will have tribulation right from birth. That's what it's all about. We're getting tested. It's a time of chastisement. Give thanks for chastisement. God only chastises those that he loves because God knows how much affliction each of us needs to humble for the eternity. So be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Not you, not me. None of us can say, you, the world, you got nothing on me. Satan, you got nothing on me. Rich white man's construct, you got nothing on me. Jesus Christ defeated all that for us. How did he do that? By saying no. He said no. And that gave him the universal right. After he suffered just brutal humiliation. He suffered. It gave him the universal right. To set up a kingdom of heaven that will not negotiate with evil. Will not compromise with evil. Will not acknowledge your ideologies that you think. Oh there's a few things in here. I just don't like and I'm a good person. And I'm going to heaven. According to who? You're judging the very book that you'll be judged by you're criticizing the very book that you'll be criticized by Mankind is a 100% failure rate at governing ourselves. Do you want proof? There it is right there from the kitchen table to the world stage But people will say to me all the time. I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person I did all the right things according to who the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the living Word he came in the volume of the book. Or according to the magistrate of the world, the treasurer of the world, he is the schoolmaster of the world, Satan himself, in all his coercive persuasion through subtlety, through his thought reform, to reduce your ability to think critically or independently, to change your values and beliefs, to change your religious authority. That's the very first trump, seal, and vial. We are in the Great Tribulation right now easy. You can see it playing out on the world stage. While well, our friends that we pray for, big time, churchy churches and pedestrian Christians are waiting for some sideshow, some cartoon to come out of the sky. Farm animals and barn animals with torches and swords. That's not going to happen. Use the biblical meaning of the words and that will form a glossary for you for understanding from threads through the Bible. It's Only found in the manuscripts translated through the lexicons. The prophetic meaning of certain words will form threads through the Bible which makes up a glossary. And that glossary, those threads that run through the Bible are God's trademark stamp of validity. Those threads that run through the Bible make up the structural fabric of the key of David itself for understanding and interpretation. If you want to let Hollywood interpret it or some big shot... Super preacher interpret it for you. Be very, very careful. Using the Bible as a random book of quotes. It's forbidden. It's not a random book of quotes. Jesus Christ overcame the world. You got nothing on me. Nothing. No sin penetrated the Lord Jesus Christ in thought, intent, or in action. Now here we go, John 17. These words Jesus spake, and lifted up his eyes into heaven, and said, Father. The hour is come, glorify thy son, and thy son also may glorify thee. Glorify, duxadzo in the Greek. To become manifest and acknowledged, to exalt to a glorious rank or condition. He's your Prince of Peace. He's the only begotten Son of God. He's first and foremost in importance in the universe, most precious in the universe. The only one found worthy. He's the only one that could say this. Satan, you got nothing on me. The ways and things of the world got nothing on me. The only one righteous. High priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's to say, king of the just. There's his spot. There's his condition. We glorify it. We glorify the cross. What he did on the cross, the most selfless act of love and compassion beyond our present comprehension. That was the crowning point of Christianity. He gave us... An ability that we can ask him for judicial forgiveness for our sins not some creepy guy in some church and a little booth with that little screen thing he can't forgive you for your sins that guy's a sinner how can a sinner forgive a sinner we forgive other people who've trespassed against us and consider human frailty and consider hey man we're all sinners too only Jesus Christ did not sin. He's the only one that can give you judicial clearance into the kingdom of heaven when you ask for forgiveness of his sins. That's how we glorify it. That's where he's sitting. Verse 2, as thou has given him power over all flesh. That's all us carnal-minded people. That's what flesh means. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Whomsoever will. Whomsoever will has glorified him. That's what we give him we submit to him with an unquestionable obedience, we surrender our entire existence to him willingly. When we repent, it's willingly. We have a change of heart, a change of attitude, a change of aptitude. If we don't want to do that sin again. It's not in us. It's not because of an afterthought or an aftercare or because of the consequences. We are a new person now. And this is eternal life. Hey, do you want to know what eternal life is? Here we go. The Bible's going to tell us that they might know the, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You have to know God. You can't just romanticize who you think God is. People say to me all the time, oh, it says right here, Michael, look. It says you just have to have faith. That's all you have to do. So just go that verse. Forget the rest of the Bible. I have faith in Jesus Christ. I'm safe. Well, faith without works is dead. That's what you get when you... Use the Bible as a random book of quotes. Faith without works is dead. Show me your works, I'll see your faith. Who are you fading away to? A construct of an entity that you've made up in your mind. I got that email not too long ago. Someone says, the God that you teach is not my God. Well, the God, your God, is your ideologies, who you think God is. People say to me, well, I'm going to go to heaven, Michael, aren't I? Because, you know, know, I'm doing everything right. Well, your ideologies, are they in sync with God's word? Or are they idolatry, out of sync with God's word? God's plan, plot, purpose is to separate evil from good. People that think they're gods, that's what happens when people say, I believe in myself. Well, you think you're God then. And that's what Satan said. Right in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, you can be your own gods. That's in a small g. That's your own ruler or your own judge. Go for it. It's your free will choice. Satan is saying, forget about God. Forget about Yahweh. You're your own God now. You judge what is right and wrong for your convenience. You tweak God's word to suit your lifestyle, your ideologies. Go for it. God will not violate the principles of free will. You cannot violate the principles of God without consequence. Free will entities simply have to be governed. And if you want to govern yourself outside of God's word, my question in Bible study lately, which is only me and Tammy and Jesus Christ as it's written in Matthew eighteen twenty, where there are two or three gathered together in my name, I am there. Thank you Lord Jesus Christ for helping us. Is hell really so bad? It's hell really so bad for people who like finding happiness in the faults of others? If you like holding grudges and looking forward to revenge, it's like you get that little feeling of empowerment. I'm going to get that person back. I'm going to prove that person wrong. And then what do you get? It doesn't fill that inner void. It doesn't come even close to filling a spiritual inner void. You're just looking for the next person to point fingers at finding happiness in other people's downfalls, faults, and miseries. Maybe, maybe people like that. And Jesus Christ and our Father who art in heaven, Yahweh is His name. He'll say, okay, I set up a place just for you. You don't want to be with us. You don't want to be in a place of peace, beyond our present comprehension, a place of unity, perpetual friendship, a place of completeness, a place of safety, security, certainty. You like acting like that. You're always trying to convince others that you're right and trying to prove others wrong. You like that. That's your comfort zone. That's why in Ezekiel chapter 31, it says you will be comforted, comforted in the nether parts of the earth. That's your comfort zone. There's no praise or presence of God whatsoever there. That's what you want. So is hell really that bad for you people? For us, it's the hell that we envision. Just no praise or presence of God whatsoever. That'd be like just utter mortification of the soul. For people who like perpetual drama, you can have it, man. Okay, look what it's done to planet Earth today. Attitudes of obscene entitlement fueled by ruthless, unadulterated greed. Individualism doesn't exist in the kingdom of heaven. It's a place of unity. It's a place of us. One. Oneness. Watch. Open the book and let it speak for itself. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me. I I don't have nothing left to say. Except I'm going to recite Psalms 22 on the cross and just to remind everybody, hey, this was written 700 years before it came down, before it went down, okay? He's, he's done his work. He's going to go fulfill prophecy. He's not trying to bail like people say, oh, this cup of wrath, if only I don't have to do it. Hey, that's his cup of tea. He had to do it. He wanted to do it because he wants his children back, okay? All right? It's not a moment of weakness that super preachers say, Jesus Christ was not forsaken on the cross, as we go back to Psalms 22 again, just to say the people that, you know, and we love these people too, we studied with them for a week, and we just like, holy, are you guys going to listen to any anything else except what's ingrained in your mind about Psalms 22, Eli, Eli, lama, shabbat me, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, is David on the cross, or not David on the cross, not David on the cross, is David in all human frailty. Always look at the pattern in the Psalms when we see what is mankind. David in human frailty. David in his human incompetence, human failure, using his ideologies, human struggle, human uncertainty, human torment. That's David. Did Jesus Christ ever say, call Father, God, never, never did did uh, father Yahweh did not abandon christ on the cross and there's a huge thread through the bible like 50 or more verses god will never leave you or forsake you god can't forsake god emmanuel god with us he can't forsake his own darling soul kahab yahid in the hebrew it's such a word the only begotten son priceless possession which can never be replaced as it's written Matthew 22 26, 12, 26 Satan can't cast out Satan. So how can God cast out God? And, and then you go to the next couple verses. The pattern in the Psalms is David was a prophet. He talks about himself and all human frailty first. And then he starts prophesying about the true David. The Lord Jesus Christ. David just means beloved. So when you read Psalms 22. Oh my God. Jesus Christ never said this. He never called his father God. I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. That's not. That's David. Because he turned his ear away from hearing God's laws, God's commandments, God's testimony. He, he drifted off the path. And that's what happens. God's not going to hear you until you repent and come back. Okay, and then it starts talking about what happened on the cross, Psalms 22. And then the very last verse of Psalms 22, that he hath done this, Translated should have been translated in John 19. It is finished Jesus Christ taught the whole Psalms on the cross, and I forget why I went there I don't know just because it was been bothering me lately Okay, he finished the work. He wasn't forsaken He was fulfilling prophecy to the letter and he didn't try and bail on it either Oh now o Father glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had With thee before the world was. And that's where I should have waited to go to Psalms 22. Part of God was the Lord Jesus Christ. The very peace of God's soul was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Was with him in the beginning before the first Adam was formed on the highest part of the dust of the earth. Wisdom was there. God's telling us in Proverbs chapter 8. Hey, I became a consciousness," consciousness. And it was wisdom. It wasn't division, distrust, disorder, chaos, war, individualism. Wisdom was there. Why is wisdom feminine in the Hebrew? People ask me that all the time. All the verbs leading up to that word, kochimol, are masculine. It has to be feminine. It's something God possesses. Jesus Christ was there. He's part of the Lord. He's part of Father Yahweh's righteous right arm. Now he's the ministry of salvation. I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept my word. That's the word kept is tereo. Kept, attend, carefully. They have tended carefully. They're taking care of it. They have kept thy word. They're talking about his 12 disciples here. But all God's prophecies occur and develop in partial and preliminary happenings before they become fulfilled and permanent. We are God's disciples. We become apostles. We are elect. We set ourselves aside by sanctifying ourselves. That means signaling to God and to others, I'm a man, woman or a child of God. I'm meek. Don't mess with me. Meek in the Hebrew. Afflict yourself with self-discipline. Learn to say no to yourself in the face of all the vain curiosities and ideologies that will bombard you daily. That's why Paul said I die daily. It means I'm subject to die daily if I follow these vain curiosities are very tempting sometimes. Vain ideologies that oh, there's the popular crowd there. I want to be in with them. Be very careful. I die daily. Paul said, "I have manifest Thy name." I kept that word, verse seven. Now they now they have known that all things whatsoever Thou hast given me are of Thee. They know this. Go back to verse thirty-one of John sixteen, and I'll read it from the manuscripts. Oh, finally. You believe now. You believe now. You believe. I am of the Father, the only begotten Son of God. First and foremost, in importance in the universe. Most precious in the universe. Savior. That's the most important thing. Your Salvation, deliverer, redeemer. He's about to pay the price that none of us could pay. Kinsman, redeemer for the whole human family. I have given them... I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came out of thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Key. Receive the words. That means don't question it. You ask questions about it like they did. Remember the last chapter with uh, um, Philip and Thomas still asking questions. Not questioning it. Asking questions. Which seems... Almost uh, stupid. But the lesson was, how could they ask those questions? The lesson was, the balance between grace and knowledge, having compassion on others who are asking questions. Be gentle with people. Be compassionate with people, whatever level they are at in the many member body of Christ. At least they're there, receiving the words. That's key there. And believed. I pray for them. That's good. And this is prophecy for us today. Lord Jesus Christ, how does he pray for us? He declares our name to Father once we have submitted with an unquestioned obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, there's a huge thread through the Bible about rejected prayer. gets thrown back down to the earth. Try again. Those that turneth their way, their ear from hearing God's laws, God's commandments, God's testimony. Even your prayers are an abomination to God. As soon as you think you can insert your ideologies by compromising God's word. Hey, listen, some of these things aren't very convenient. Times have changed. This was written a long time ago. Don't you understand? One day with the Lord is like a thousand years. Okay, time is just an illusion to us. Consider infinity forward and infinity back. And this short little flesh age, 100 years or less, you have to come to terms with what's inside of you that is not conducive to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension, that we fell out of harmony with the universe. You, me, we are the one third. So we remember, one day the Lord is like a thousand years. This, this Jesus Christ just did this like two days ago. As far as God's concerned, Adam and Eve were, were around here only um six days ago, and mankind nine days ago. It's hard, It's think about that. This is just an illusion. We are reduced and restricted in these flesh bodies. God's trying to get our attention. He repented. He had to put us in these flesh bodies. That means he sighed with disappointment. But it's the only way to rid the world of evil. That's his plan, plot, and purpose. It's your free will choice. Okay. But for them, which thou hast given me... For they are thine, sent out once, elect apostles, even for us now. Doesn't pray for the world. Do you think he's praying that the world's going to fix itself, this rich white man's construct? All the evil in the world comes from the human heart, and it's instigated by the adversary himself, Satan, who is the architect and engineer of this Seals Trump's files. As we know, we've been in tribulation. Jesus Christ just told us in the last chapter, tribulation since back then. This is the culmination of the tribulation, And we're in the fifth now because we're waiting, the sixth, we're waiting for the central enemy to emerge. And if you want to call him Antichrist, go ahead. That just means instead of Christ. Don't forget the first epistle of John. There are many Antichrists, even back then, instead of Christ. Okay, read your Bible, let it speak for itself. Watch out for these evangelical preachers who use the Bible as a random book of quotes and will give you, uh, we're going to skip the tribulation. Even people of that church down there. Well, I'm so glad we're going to be out of the tribulation. Well, Jesus Christ said, you will have tribulation. And that was way back then. Nowhere in the Bible says this, you're going to fly to save your soul. Ezekiel 13, I'm against those who teach my little ones to fly to save their soul. you're not flying out here until the seventh file seal trump when we're back in these spiritual bodies. Matthew 24, blessed are those that understand that we fight to the end. We're not looking for an escape and then what's God going to do? Some Hollywood cartoon playing out for you there? Be careful. Watch this, okay? Jesus Christ is not praying that this world fix itself the way it is. He'll come back. He is the Prince of Peace. Verse 10, all, And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Only Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could have possibly had the universal Authority to say that all thine are mine, everything, and I'm going to promote some people to one side, hey, that's where they want to go, and some people to the other side, that's where they want to go. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thy own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. How do we be one? There's your fate. You are either in or you're out. There's no in between. There's no purgatory. There's no greasy lawyers staying there trying to make concessions or negotiate the word of God to try and get you in. It's just you in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're either going to hear, "Come on in. You're one with us." As it's written in Revelation 3:12, you become part you become a pillar in the kingdom of heaven. That means we become part of the structural fabric of the kingdom of heaven itself. That's what you want to hear we become one together with Father Yahweh, the way he created us. Remember, we all sang for joy, the whole human family in totality, in infinite felicity, shouting out, singing for joy. Then one third of us fell. It's up to you to get back out of this fallen condition by forgiveness of your sins and become part of the structural fabric of the kingdom of heaven itself. will become a pillar as it's written, Revelation 3.12. You're either in or you're out. You don't want that? Then you'll hear these, the most daunting words written in the Bible. Depart from me. You never took the time to get to know me. You never made yourself known to me. You and your ideologies, that's your God. There's a whole bunch of people that think just like you over there. Go knock yourself out. You guys just try and work it out down there and, and just try and convince who's right and who's wrong. Become one, Revelation twenty-one, twenty-two. As we wrap up the affairs of time in this flesh age, our Father tells us all things. Jesus Christ tells us all things. Matthew chapter or Mark chapter 13. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. They're one. And we become part of the structural fabric of that temple itself. We are an energy. We're in the spiritual body. No more flesh. As it's written. The sun never comes down on us. God will wipe away all tears. There's no garden shed out there. There's no uh tools and us doing gardening like the Jehovah's Witness try and tell us. God shall wipe away all tears. The sun's not going to beat down on us anymore. You know, there's no more labors. There's no more pains. We are one. The way God created us. Do you think he would have created his children in these flesh bodies where it's just suffering everywhere you look, everyone you look at, they're going to suffer and die. They're going to suffer and die. Or they're going to watch me suffer and die and watch what's happening on the world stage today. Are you kidding? This is God's plan to get rid of the world of evil. It has to burn itself out as it's written in the Psalms. Evil will destroy the wicked and you guys got a place to go. It's called hell and knock yourself out. Have a great time. You know, you're probably going to like it if you love drama and greed and gluttony and trying to prove everybody wrong. Verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. There's huge here. What do you mean? He, He... He picked 12, that's what he's talking about, and none is lost. What about Judas? This word lost is apollyon, and it's a verb. And we know, apollyon apollyon is used of a sinner, one of the strongest words in the Greek language to express final and irretrievable destruction. None of them is lost. What about Judas? What about you? Perdition son of perdition, that's Satan himself identifying, that's Apollyon, and we go to Revelation 9 11, just so we can document who is this son of perdition. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abandon, but in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon, there you go. It's a noun right there. The destroyer, personified as one, that entity, Satan himself. We don't know his real name because Satan just means adversary. Devil means slanderer and son of perdition. He will die. He is the only one with a death sentence on him. Ezekiel chapter 28. Then people ask me, well, what about the Nephilim and Raphium and all these fallen angels? Well, there's, first off, they're not included in this verse because... They didn't pass through the matrix once, innocent of woman. Okay, they bypassed it. So they, and that's written in the book of Jude. And we go with Nephilim and Raphium. There's no transitory fossils going in or out of the Nephilim and Raphium. So we know those fallen angels are already judged. They don't count as one of us. Satan does because he is the architect and engineer of rich white man's construct that we see playing out on the world today out on the world stage today, and Ezekiel chapter 28, created in the full pattern of beauty and wisdom in the highest supernatural order, Satan himself has the only death sentence pasted on him, and it's not coming off. Well, what about Judas? What did Judas commit suicide? I have to cover this. And you know what? And In in Matthew 27, it says he hanged himself. Okay, so we go back to the lexicons, and I'll even give you the page. And Tammy said I should. So lexicons, Liddell Scott lexicon, or you can use the Thais or whatever, and you see what happened when it says Judas hanged himself. And that word hanged means it means it means choked. Judas got choked up, and the prime root of that word hanged is on page five. And it means overwhelmed with grief. And going like this, it means bending of the arms, overwhelmed with grief. That was Judas. Did Judas repent? He obviously did. We go to Matthew 27. And we see he hanged himself. It doesn't say he killed himself. The primary, we just went over that. He was overcome. He's all choked up. That's what she said, choked himself. People automatically think, oh, he hanged himself. Okay, I just put a... You know, rope tree. Okay, that's Judas hanging there. No. He was so choked up. And they took counsel. Who? The chief priests and Pharisees. The lead clergy. That, you know, he went back into the chief priests. And he threw the money back. That's him repenting. And then the chief priests bought a field to bury strangers in. He wasn't one of them. Judas repented. He could not have been one of them. He couldn't be bought after all. Oh, he... Yeah, what he did was brutal, but he was fulfilling prophecy written so many times, Psalm 69, Psalms 109, he was fulfilling prophecy. He got tempted and failed, but did he repent? And then what happened in Acts chapter 1, just read Acts chapter 1 for yourself. You tell me that somebody that hanged himself could be burst asunder in the midst and his gush and his bowels gushed out? That's not suicide. There's none lost. He's fulfilling prophecy. It's too bad. What did they do? They took a knife from his groin right to his throat. That's how your um guts, guts, what's it say? How your uh, burst asunder and your bowels are gushed out. You hang yourself. You're just going to hang there till you dry up and, you, and your head snaps off. No. Judas repented. That's why it says here, none. You didn't lose any of them. Even though this was, you know, too bad for Judas. Yeah, he got tempted by the money. People fall into lifestyles and then they can repent out of them. Everybody does. He fell into the lifestyle of greed that we see on planet Earth today. Okay, none of them is lost. They murdered him. The Lee clergy murdered him because it, look at the damage he would have done to the lead clergy. He gave the money back. He threw it on the floor. He would have made a mockery out of them. So they killed him. They sliced him. And his guts went everywhere. Okay, that's page 5. And page 76 of your lexicon. Translate that that out. Acts chapter 1 and... uh, Matthew chapter 27. From the manuscripts through the lexicons. And you'll see what happened. God's word does not... um, uh, Contradict itself. And now... So your thread there is Ezekiel 28, Psalms 109, Acts chapter 1, uh, Psalm 69, and right here. And I think I went over that. Let's go on to verse um, 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This joy, remember. Hurt not the oil and the wine. That's hurt not the light that comes out of the sanctuary, fueled by that oil and the wine, representing joy of hearing God's word taught. It is joy, but it is bittersweet as we mourn for those walk into darkness. I have given them Thy word. That's this Bible, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world. Even I, even as I am not of the world. Okay, so them, them as God's servants, elect, who hate the trickery. Of the worldly ways okay we're not out of this world. we 're just passing through. this is a testing period for us. Are you going to go for that construct or God's construct? it's totally up to you. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from evil. Okay, thank you very much. okay, what are we doing here? That means we have a great commission to fulfill. Leave them there while they go out and plant the seeds of truth throughout the world. While they help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. While they teach God's word chapter by chapter, verse by verse, with understanding and with charisma and with clarity. And remember, keep them from evil. Thanks for Luke chapter 10 verse 18. We all have this. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the power you have so graciously bestowed upon me that is universally recognized. That's for all of us. I rebuke Satan, all evil spirits, demons, devils, all powers, principalities of Satan. Everything that is corrupt to you in your kingdom, my Lord Jesus Christ. Everything of the darkness, everything that offends you in your kingdom, I rebuke from inside me and all around me. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to saturate my entire existence. As I submit to you with an unquestioned obedience, cover me with your veil, wrap me in your vesture. Please hold my hand, my Lord Jesus Christ. You are my shepherd, I shall not want another. You are my rock, my only stability. You are my fortress, my heart tower. You're my only safety. You're my only security in this world. You feed me with the bread of life and quench my thirst with the living waters. I do not hunger or thirst after the ways and things of the world at all. The world's got nothing on me. You can have it. Go chase it. Go chase all your vain curiosities. Go get an a, a unsatisfying job and live your life of quiet desperation while you try and fulfill an inner void with the emptiness of the material world. Go for it. That's your free will choice. And we don't wish that on anybody. Okay, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We're not of this construct. Yeah, it's difficult. It's all around us. But Jesus Christ will help us walk on top of the waters, the waters of the peoples, tongues, nations, multitudes, their ethic, their governmental system of things. We're just trying to walk away from it, on top of it. And he will give you a place to go. He'll never put more on you than you can handle. As it's written, God will give you a way out. It will not be convenient for you. He's not going to sit there and write you a check for a million bucks. Here you go. Here's your way out. Go buy yourself a brand new Calat and drive over there. It's better over there. Like the fool that's always looking somewhere else. You have to understand what God said. Assemble yourselves, my peculiar people. Create an independent food system. Is it convenient? No. The first step is always the hardest in anything. God gives you a way out. Or you're going to get sucked into this construct. And you're going to end up going to hell. And through mind control, through coercive persuasion. You're going to change your religious authority. And we don't want that for anybody. It's a cult, and the only cult people never see is the one they're in, and you have to deprogram yourself and get your exit counseling from our Lord Jesus Christ right here. Don't be one of the mice in this maze. That's money, ideology, coercion, coercion, and ego. It's psychological warfare. Now let's go on. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is the truth. Set themselves aside with the truth. You pray, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will give you the truth give you an understanding the difference between brainwashing and mind control and the truth. The truth This is a great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. Set yourself aside. That's what sanctify means. It means separate, set aside. We set ourselves aside from the ways and things of the world. As thou hast sent me into the world. Even so, I have also sent them into the world, apostles, sent out ones. That's me, that's you. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-remembered body of Christ. For example, someone trashed us the other day for our, for our website. Well, then instead of standing back and criticizing, why don't you do something about it? I'll send you the codes. Let's make this a great Bible-teaching ministry. For the all humanity, the whole human family, God wants His children back. All the angels rejoice when one of us repents, because they want their brothers and sisters back, so they can get on with the affairs of time to cohabitate with God in His circuits of time. As Thou hast sent me into the world, okay, it sent us disciples, sent out ones. Don't ever step your spot in the many-member body of Christ. As for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they might also be sanctified through the truth. Set yourself aside through the truth. That's all that's being said. Be meek. And meek in the English means submissive and easily imposed upon. It's not what it means in the Hebrew. Afflict yourself with self-discipline. Learn to say no to yourself in the face of all the vain curiosities and ideologies that come to you. Constantly. Every day. Learn to say no to yourself. No, I'm not going to change my ideologies for you to be popular, to be in the in crowd, or whatever other reason for your longings and wantings of the flesh to satisfy the wants of the flesh. You don't want that because that was the curse on Cain. Your longings and wantings and desires will rule over you, Cain. Is that what you want? You'll never have an inner peace. Neither I pray for these alone, but for them which have, which shall believe on me through their word. When they teach the truth, God wants his children back. They, that they, all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also be one in us. Well, that's, isn't that one of the greatest promises written in the councils of eternity? That's your heritage. That is your inheritance. Do you know how to claim it? That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. There you go. To what? To have the universal right to forgive you for your sins. Nobody else can. Jesus Christ earned it. And you have to glory that. Glory the cross. What he did. Verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them. That they may be all one. Even as we are one. Become one human family. We become one with God. That's what we want. The other people that don't want it. You can't force somebody to love you. You can't allow people with their own ideologies outside of God's word into the kingdom of heaven or it would be nothing more than a new hell. So stop sending emails to me saying, are God going to send perfectly good people to hell? Perfectly good according to who? According to what construct? According to whose ideologies? According to these ones, everyone's got their own ideologies. They all think they know better. They all think they're gods. And that turns into, that's morals. And that turns into a set of ethics, governmental standards, institutional standards. That have a 100% failure rate at governing ourselves. I and them, and thou in me, and they may be made perfect or fulfilled in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them. As thou hast loved me. God loves all his children. He doesn't love what you're doing. And if you don't love him back, he's not going to force you. That's all there is to it. You can't violate the principles of free will. God will not violate the principles of... You cannot violate the principles of God. Without consequence, free will entities simply must be governed. And this is a great show. The history of mankind. 100% failure rate at governing yourselves. When are you going to submit with an unquestioned obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and glory what he did? He gave us a way out. It's the sufferings before the glory. We're in the tribulation now. We're in the great tribulation now. As it's written, Jesus Christ told us all things. As he said, Mark 13, I told you everything. This is how it's going to go down. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me Be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. There's a lot written here. This word will is actually wish. It's the emotional element which leads to the consequential action. This is God's reason resolve as opposed to mankind's natural impulses. People just can't control themselves. Yeah, we're going to be with our Lord Jesus Christ as one. Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Key, foundation, katabol. For the foundation of the world. Before the overthrow. That's just simply the last ice age. Before the rejuvenation of the earth. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth billions of years ago. Then the earth became void and without form. And darkness was on the face of the deep for hundreds of thousands of years. All that water that was for the ice age came from the atmosphere because the sun couldn't get through. Because there's dust in the stratosphere from a meteor impact or volcano, okay, for hundreds of thousands of years. Then God rejuvenated planet earth 14,000 years ago. Then they go 13. One day with the Lord is a thousand years. Count that up to Adam and Eve. There's your time frame template to observe. Given to us in, in uh, Psalms chapter ninety, Second 2 Peter chapter 3. Before the foundation of the world. One day with the Lord is a thousand years. Time frame coverage for each day on the first page of your Bible is a thousand years to us foundation of the world the rejuvenation of planet earth but foundation actually means overthrow and God had to Make a unique light giver his righteous right hand our Lord Jesus Christ salvation of Yahweh Yeshua Messiah salvation of Yahweh was set in place day four there he is greater of the two unique light givers Satan is lesser of the two unique light givers What did he do defile the sanctuary he cast doubt on the truth right from the first pages of your Bible? That's his death sentence slandering the word of God. That's what devil means, slanderer. Marginalizing it, trying to change it with subtlety, as we see going on in the churches today and all over planet earth. Lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and thee, and these, have known that thou hast sent me. So he's talking about his disciples now, and now, you know, it's us today apostles sent out once and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith with thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them what a comforting verse that's one of the most comforting verses you'll ever have these promises are written in the councils of eternity I want to thank you very much for listening watching wherever you're finding this please like and subscribe whatever you can do it's just your way of helping with the algorithms i could care less about likes and subscribes for myself obviously because i already get any but it helps with the algorithms to help glorify magnify and broadcast god's saving word to hurting family i want to thank you very much for watching have yourself a great day and bye for now